All right, here we go. Four, Four three, three, two. two. Well, we got to start over. Yes. It's <laughs> okay. been a while. It's been yeah. a little bit. Ooh. Shake it off. Okay. Yes. One, the numbers are uh, go one, two, three, and four in reverse. Okay. Let's do this. Oh, oh yes. Four, three, three two, two, one, go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Comment Section. That's right, guys. We may be almost three months late. We are a week ahead of the Blu-ray release, which comes out this Tuesday. Nice, but nice. today we are talking about he is vengeance. He is the knight. No, not the Kevin Conroy Batman, although I'm sure we can't go mentioning Batman without Kevin Conroy, who is now going to be also comic book writer Kevin Conroy. That's nice. right. That's because, right. Um, did you hear about this? I I did, I think. Yes, Kevin um, Conroy yeah. is going to write a story for DC's um, Pride issue. I think it's mm-hmm. called Batman and Me or something, which mm-hmm. I hope because when the Batman, the Adventures, the uh, Adventures Continue book came out, he did like a read-along thing. I hope. Well, first of all, I hope he has Batman in it because otherwise I'll be a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but two, Batman and me. I want. I hope he does a read along on Instagram or something. Because <laughs> he, vo- awesome. he did it where he voiced all the characters, and I never knew how much I always wanted to hear Kevin Conroy in his deep voice perform yeah. as Jimmy Olsen. He should read audiobooks. Like, oh, he, he should just any audiobook. Oh, care. did you see the video that came out? Um, Earlier this week, the for the WB multiverse thing. No, um, I can go to my grave happy. <laughs> I feel a little bit complete now, oh, knowing I saw it's good Kevin Conroy's Batman. And again, it, it, I don't know if it would meant as much if it wasn't Kevin Conroy, but it was. So that even adds an extra bit of yeah. Mm-hmm. Meet Shaggy from Scooby Doo and Bugs Bunny. Wow. I was just like. Wow. And Bugs Bunny tried to throw a pie at Batman, but Shaggy <laughs> got in the middle. I was just like, yes, we, we finally got there in my lifetime. Yeah. It was awesome. I don't Big know. Three. It's for a video game, which thank God's not for a movie, because otherwise it'd be like, ugh. And the rest of the episode is going to be a normal podcast. Yes. Because for those of you who don't know, we recently had a new Batman movie in theaters. That's right. That's right. Now, During the course of this show, we've never, I mean, we've had Batman appear in Justice League and we had young Bruce Wayne appear in the Joker movie. Mm -hmm. We also had Snyder Cut, but we haven't had a true proper Batman solo movie since 2012, which I honestly, thank God we didn't have this show when that movie came out. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I get right now, I'd be like, uh, Chris, um, I know it's been 10 years later, but um, I'm sorry for the things I said. Some of them were uncalled for. I'm sure your mother's not a whore, and she didn't drink when she was pregnant with you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, you'd have some apologizing to do for sure. Yes, but we are here, and just so everyone knows, I said that in jest, okay? But today, we're going to talk about the newest iteration of the Batman, actually called the Batman. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
also the name of the 2000s animated series. But yes, so we're going to talk about the Batman. We haven't really talked about the movie that yeah. much. Yeah, I think we've avoided it for sure. Um, yes. Because well, we know curious. we have this. Did you see it in theaters or on HBO Max? You know, this movie cycle was the thing that kind of like taught me like I I just really hate going to the movie theater. Like (laughs) it's just not something I like to do. And as soon as I heard it was coming out streaming soon, I was like, never mind, I'm not going. And I waited until it came out on streaming. So, yes, honestly, that was such a stupid decision by Warner Brothers to put it out that fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an I'm an exact I'm an exact reason why that was. They did not get box office money from me because it was coming yeah. out on streaming. So there was the guy in charge of Warner Media, Jason Kalar. He was the one who kind of like was the whole, we're going to put everything on HBO Max. Yeah. And this was kind of his last ditch thing he did. Like, hey, I'm going to be fired anyway, even though he quit the day before he was going to get fired. But <laughs> so he can hang his his head out, head up in, sh- in pride and be like, I chose to leave. <laughs> but yeah. um, the last thing he did was like, oh, let's just put on HBO Max. And mm-hmm. well, we, we know what happened. He's no longer employed there. But <laughs> yeah, he he yes, told but, uh, you can't fire me because I quit. Yes. <laughs> he I mean, at least at, he can't have a conversation like Jan with Ryan. What I mean, otherwise, it would have been like um, best decision I ever made. You were let go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about Batman. But first, as we do, well, that's the next episode. But when, yes, luckily they're all, um, we're going to talk about Batman. Although I do think we need to shout out something first. Mm-hmm. Um, because we talked about recently, you know, Kevin Conroy is going to be comic book writer, Kevin Conroy. And we, once again, we hope, yeah. Kevin, let's, have a read along like you did with um, the Batman comic. We're talking about Batman and it wouldn't feel right, especially knowing the source material, very seventies inspired without mentioning the great Neil Adams. So Neil Adams passed away a few weeks ago. Um, You know, a lot of people will talk about, like, what was it that brought Batman back to his darker roots, like Bob Kane and Bill Finger originally envisioned for the character? Because, you know, we had the Adam West show, and that was, you know, that was what Batman needed to be in 1966. Once it was done, we had to go back to that darker version. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, was it Tim Burton's Batman? Which helped it helped bring him making the dark knight again frank miller's dark knight returns what helped but i think a lot right. of people will agree that what started it was the comics by denny o'neill and neil adams mm-hmm. so obviously neil adams has a really big he obviously is known for a bunch of different stuff we'll focus on batman right now you know there's so many artists who have worked on Batman, and I don't know if um, have you seen any Neil Adams work? I I don't think so. Probably not. Well, well, if you Google Neil Adams Batman, real quick, um, there have been tons of Batman artists, but for me, I think most people will agree, Neil Adams 
is the definitive Batman artist. What I mean, like Bob Kane was the original artist. We had Dick Sprang as well. But every Batman we've seen everywhere, even like if you go to like get a Batman birthday cake or something or supplies, they're all still so heavily inspired by uh-huh. Neil Adams. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I believe um, he also co-created Ra's al Ghul, who we saw in Batman Begins. And dude was one of the greats. And yeah, he also created Man Bat and the Green Lantern John Stewart character. And he was also he did a bunch of green arrow stuff which is why so many times in the show arrow it would be a crime what happens at the corner of o'neill and adams so those were the two mm. best writer and artists so yes yeah, so again it wouldn't feel right if we didn't give a little tribute to uh i think the definitive batman artist himself neil adams absolutely yes so let's talk about the movie now so as we do normally with these specials, because we haven't had a full Batman special. Yeah. Because we haven't had a full Batman movie. We missed out, I think, uh, it might have been two years. We missed out on the Gotham pilot. Yeah. So we're doing our first Batman special. So I guess <laughs> the important question to ask is, what was your introduction to Batman? And we'll keep it short because I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it before. But... We absolutely have. Um, yes. So, my introduction to Batman uh, really probably started around, I mean, obviously knew about it before that, and I was aware, but um, really probably around just before the release of Batman Begins was probably when I started to um, dabble in some Batman, read some comics. Definitely after Batman Begins was released, started getting really into it. I mean, Batman comics were the the first comic books I I really <clears throat> read, uh, besides Spider Man, and uh, but really Batman was what I you know like. I, it was the first series that I went and like bought comics for like a gold mine and like um. Oh yes. Uh, because my only ex- exposure to comics before that was just a trade paperback, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, but oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, Batman was my favorite superhero for for a time, and it, uh, uh, you know, then uh, the Dark Knight came out, which has remained like long time uh favorite Batman movie of mine, and um. Yeah, and then, you know, I saw The Dark Knight Rises once uh, and moved on with my life, we'll say. Well, now we can say you've seen it twice now. Well, I I saw it once (laughs) and then about like eight years later or something, saw it again. So I've seen it twice. But uh, and twice was uh, twice was too many. Yeah, I don't know what happened in that those years. uh, But uh, the movie. uh. Apparently, apparently it was bad. I don't know. Yes, but uh, can I mention two things because I fell sure. down a rabbit hole 
looking at clips of it the other night. Oh, I, I have two things to mention. One, remember in the scene where, well, you've only seen it twice, but maybe you will remember. Remember in the yeah. scene where um, the Bane's men bring Bruce to Lucius and Miranda and yeah. Catwoman says that Bane wants these two? Yeah. Why are Bane's henchmen listening to Catwoman? They don't work together. Why are oh, they listening to her? That, that is specific. There's never but, been a moment in the movie true. where they're teaming up. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know what? There is that, that little bit of dialogue because it's a lot of exposition in that movie. Yeah. A lot of climbing out stupid holes. <gasps> oh, okay. Just a <laughs> um, I got uh, Well, she, she did betray him to Bane, but whatever. But also... Remember in the big scene, there's that big... Remember, they have 12 hours before that bomb goes off. Yeah. Batman yeah. fights Bane. And I just mm -hmm. was thinking, like, um, he Batman wants to brag. He's like, you think you're the only one who could learn to escape? <laughs> uh -huh. And then Bane's like, but I never escaped. And Batman, there's a there's a timer going off on the bomb. He's like, wait, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't escape? Because I thought the child of Razal Ghul was supposed to escape. What? Oh. <laughs> he just stops. He's like, wait, wait. I know I'm supposed to be the world's greatest detective, but I thought you were supposed to be the yeah. baby daddy. That's what, I mean, the um, Rachel Ghul's baby. That's what the hallucination told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have a whole, we have a whole special episode yes. about that movie. I need to bring up something real quick. Because I just watched it last week. Oh, have you seen any of Harley Quinn season two? Uh, no, I, I, I've been, I actually want to make it a point to watch it again. Um, because yeah, I stopped at the end of season one. All right, this isn't a spoiler, okay? But <laughs> they did an episode because I love the version of Bane specifically for how much it mocks the Tom Hardy version <laughs> of Bane. Yeah, <laughs> because um, there's an episode called The Pit. Oh. And it's where Bane takes Harley and Poison Ivy to the pit from the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh. And then he's touring them around. He's like, um, there are no doors and you can free you are free to go anywhere because this is the pit where no one can escape. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, yeah, they the pit. And I yeah. just love Bane's enthusiasm for the pit. <laughs> he's really into this creation, yeah. Yes, he's like Oh, he also talks about like how in the pit all beds must be made by 9 a.m. And then he <laughs> sees one bed isn't made. And he's so embarrassed about it. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, so as you were saying, you'd seen The Dark Knight Rises, and it was a bad movie. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, after that, I mean, we've lived, for me at least, in an era where at least for movies, Batman hasn't been my, my go-to. I I don't necessarily think that all of the Zack Snyder and, and you know, DCEU Batmans, like, I, I definitely have made it clear I don't think it's bad. I do like it, but nothing about it has made it my go-to. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh certainly brings us to um the most recent uh you know 
our rewatch of the Dark Knight Rises and then Zack Snyder's Justice League um, bring us up to um, today. Oh, yes. So I'll just quickly give my little thing. So I don't remember which one it was, but I do remember my two introductions to Batman because to me, they're all the the same. Mm -hmm. It was the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batman movies. I remember renting batman returns and renting batman forever i actually specifically remember watching batman forever like um as i'm eating mcdonald's and seeing robin appear for the first time and be like that's batman and robin it's like the scene you know where he first comes out in his costume yeah but um i don't remember what it was but it had it had to be batman the animated series was my first introduction like Mm -hmm. um i just Love that show so much. It is, I think, the greatest piece of fiction ever created, that show. And um, for me, like ever since then, Batman's been my favorite character in all of fiction. So those were my two big introductions. And first one outside of those two was the Adam West Batman, which mm-hmm. I remember thinking, wow, people used to think this was dark in the 60s? Wow, that's... <laughs> We've come a long way since then, but loved uh, the Adam West show. It was really cool because we had the animated TV show. It was cool to have one in live action mm-hmm. and one that um, even though I prefer the movies, it was cool to see the costumes look more like the animated series. Yeah. So there was that. So my introduction, Batman, the animated series the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher movies. And then Adam West was kind of like where it was. I wasn't just a fan of those. I became a fan of the whole history of Batman. Sure. All right. So let's talk about our anticipation for the movie, <clears throat> which um, if you listen to the first, what was it? Three years of this podcast, we kept saying this movie's never going to happen. <laughs> never going to yeah. happen. I believe we start now. I we are now at the five-year mark for this show. We started this show five months after Matt Reeves was hired. <laughs> so it took a while. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair to us, saying it never was going to happen, it did take a really long time. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so I guess um, I'll talk about my initial thoughts. I was very hyped for this movie very hyped because when i look at the trailers it looked like it was going back and just telling a classic batman story like batman begins in dark knight those are telling him stories of him becoming that classic version like even the dark knight i wouldn't say he's like fully like the classic batman from the burton movies or the animated series until after rachel dies and then Mm -hmm. Batman versus Superman was about him becoming the guy he once was. And then Justice League, he is the classic Batman, but he's also fighting aliens. So it's not fully like classic. Yeah. So I was very hyped for it. Um, It looks like it was going to be that just a classic version of Batman that we hadn't seen in a film in decades. Mm-hmm. Also, just been thinking lately, kind of a little bit like... um. Just something rallying around in my brain lately. You know, when we were growing up, they always talk about like um, 
how, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are separate from the Burton Schumacher movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies are separate from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've just been thinking lately, because, you know, when we had the Nolan Batman movies, I was like, all right, it's its own thing. Separate checklist. Like, let's hope it checks off all these checkmark boxes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't. And, you know, after kind of we had, you know, Nolan's movies, and then we had the Andrew Garfield movies. And I always think, you know, we're never going to get a definitive version as much as whenever we have our first version. Like, no matter what, we're never going to have a Batman movie series that feels as complete as the Burton Schumacher movies, because it was the first one they had to make them the most iconic possible. Mm-hmm. We're never going to get a to- a Spider-Man film series that feels as complete as Toby's. Mm-hmm. But, and maybe this is because of Spider-Man No Way Home. It's like, you know, they are all really just one series. You know, they just reset. They just start over from time to time. Like, Batman Begins is part of that series that started with Tim Burton's Batman. It's just we mm-hmm. restarted the story. Yeah, it's the same friend. Like, it's they're not really that separate. It's like we told the definitive story, and it's just now everything is just an added addition. Like Batman Begins, let's tell the origin of Batman. Dark Knight, let's tell another uh, Joker story, but this time a little different. Or with Spider Man, maybe this is because of No Way Home. And how Flash is going to have Affleck and Keaton in it. It's just like, I don't know, part of me is just like, you know what? We don't need to have a checklist anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. everything we have, once that first series is done, everything's just a nice added bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just been kind of what I've been thinking. So I think, you know what? We don't, like, let's say we don't get to Joker in this series. Or we don't get to Robin or anything. So, well... It's this is part like nine of a film series that goes back to whether you want to view it from 1989 or you want to go back to the 1943 serial. So just been something I've been thinking about lately. Actually, I I totally agree with that. I, I don't necessarily like going into these with a checklist that like if this was the only one I need, I need it to have these things because um if it was the only one and it was missing that uh it would be bad and so i don't like to go in with with that because like we've already had these stories that have we've had those stories told and you can never remove this new version from the context of those old versions yeah those are always going to be movies that did that and this is always going to be i mean kind of a sequel not canonically yes. but it is a sequel in a way yes so uh what was your anticipation for the batman <clears throat> so i was very excited the more and more i heard about it um i mean the biggest thing that really grabbed me um like uh going into it and seeing the first trailer was like something you mentioned like there's just something about like in the roots of this character where I, I I just am more inclined to want to see a Batman story that tells 
you know, uh, going against a conniving villain that's more down to earth rather than like fighting an alien. Yeah. Uh, and I just liked that, you know, it's not in the DCEU. We're not, we can, if we want, pretend that, uh, uh, we can pretend that dark side or like doesn't exist if we want to. We don't have to, but we can. I mean, I like, don't think he's supposed to exist in this movie. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. But yeah, you know, like, like the story's got a little too big for me. Not necessarily bad, but I just, um, I I liked what I saw in that first trailer a lot, and it got me very very hype. And um, it's definitely the most excited I'd been for a superhero film. Uh, I mean, in truly so long. Yes, because uh, I think we should say we weren't very excited for No Way Home, or at least I yeah. was. And I don't know how you were. Not really. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, not only slightly. Don't you uh, kind of wish we could have had that excitement, though? I mean, I it's know the it's movie's we, fault yeah. for me, but don't you kind of wish? Like, I feel ripped off. Darn. Yeah. And yeah. I will say, actually, I loved No Way Home so much. And it does do, obviously, a lot of the it, it's it's got that like late stage Marvel, like just character upon character, space, time, aliens, everything thrown in uh, that. Well, there's no aliens in No Way Home, but yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of time shenanigans and oh, like yes. uh, the multiverse. Yes, you knew um, it wasn't going to be a class. You knew it was going to be a little different when Doctor Strange was there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my feeling is like, you know, I, I saw No Way Home and I loved it so much, but it did feel like, you know, this kind of feels like this is probably the best that this kind of superhero movie could get for me. This like very Marvelified, MCUified type of superhero movie. And I think that feels like a good close for me and I'm ready to go into the Batman with a new era of a superhero movie, at least in my mental canon. This is the new era of superhero movie for me right now. Like seeing the Batman for the first time that I'm like, I'm finally get something that's on its own, more down to earth. It looks more mystery oriented and uh, let's see where this takes us. So in that sense, I, I was very hyped. Yes. So, I guess let's talk about our initial thoughts for the movie. And so, I suppose I, when we first saw it, yes. Okay, so now we're getting into the actual thoughts of the movie. Yes, we're actually going to talk about the movie itself. Which means spoiler alert. Yes. So, oh, yes, we forgot to say a spoiler. Yeah, I, I was thinking about. It. I don't know what the spoiler would be though. Oh, I know. Joker appears at the end. That was one. Of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just did it on inadvertently. Yeah. So if Sorry, you don't want to, if you don't want to <laughs> know that, I did say spoiler alert before that. We're deep into the episode. We're obviously going to talk about the Batman. I mean, spoilers how do you not know that by now. Yeah, I know. Spoil <laughs> spoilers are coming. All of all the. It's all off now. They're here. They're everywhere. You thought we were going to give you a warning. We gave you a little bit. Did you think <laughs> we were going to be like, um, no, we're going to dance. Around. No, we get right into it and we pop it when you least expect it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. From here on, all bets are off. So yes. stop listening if you don't want any more spoilers. Yes. So let's get into our thoughts on the movie. All right.
All right. I guess I can go first. All right. Now, I'm not going to bury the lead. I did not like this movie. Um, but I'll say this. As a Batman adapt- adaption of the movies of the 21st century, it is easily the most faithful adaption we've ever had in the 21st century. It's more faithful, I think, to the Nolan than the Nolan movies, more faithful than what Zack Snyder did. As a Batman adaptation, it I mean, there's obviously a few issues, but it checks off so much. Mm-hmm. Problem is, it's just not a very good movie, in my opinion. <laughs> it um it's overstuffed. It has competing main storylines that are not very interesting or well-told and has horrible pacing issues. And this is the thing, like, the most frustrating thing is, like, I can see what Matt Reeves was going for. Like, and what he's going for is awesome. And I get what his intention is, but I just don't think the execution is done very well. And I'm just like, oh, I see what you're going for, but it's like, oh, it's just... It's just not working. And now some people might be asking, oh, is, is this another Dark Knight Rises? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> let's, let's clear that out of the way. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises is a once in a lifetime. Like, <laughs> what was that piece of garbage? Like, <clears throat> when, like, with the Batman, like, I can't get mad because Matt understood Batman, which, you know, I, we're all a little sensitive because, you know, as Batman fans, we had two, the last two directors didn't really understand him that well. So, um, but, you know, it's fine when you have, when they don't have total control. <clears throat> but, you know, I do think understanding the character is kind of, that's like the least you could at least do. But, like, Dark Knight Rises was Christopher Nolan never understood the character. He made it so that no one could continue it. And he clearly, I mean, you watch the movie, he clearly didn't care anymore. It was just thrown together. Um, unlike the Batman, this is not an exaggeration. The Batman did not make me stop being a Batman fan for a day. Where after the Dark Knight Rises, I was like, I don't even know if I like this character anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so bad. <laughs> And um, it, it killed my interest in live-action superhero movies until Arrow kind of brought it back. So, no, it is not the Batman. The Batman is not <laughs> on the level of Dark Knight Rises. Let's just put mm-hmm. that out. It is not. It is a... Uh, like, I can't get mad over the Batman. Like, I get what you're going for, but it's just, uh, it's just not mm-hmm. working for me. So, that's my thoughts. All right. My initial thoughts. So, yeah. um... We'll get into more of it too. So mm-hmm. what we haven't talked about. So what are your thoughts okay. on the Batman? Well, actually, you know, hold on because I gotta I gotta go grab my notes. And this would have been much funnier if uh my uh Robert Pattinson Batman face was my icon <laughs> right now. Oh yes. So keep that in mind. All right, I'm picturing it. I think I uh, I think I found my notes. Okay. (laughs) 
copyright strike. <laughs> That's why I played it instead of just like uh, playing the song. I think oh, we're good. Yeah. How, <clears throat> did you already know that, or did you have to uh, look? I it had up? to learn it. It was really easy though. Oh, I'm, I'm a bit impressed. Like, wow, you went all out. For, for that, this that, I was I was happy to see that it was really really easy to play. Yes. Um. Uh, this movie uh sent me uh into my emo arc and uh it was pretty it's pretty nice. Uh but let's get into my notes. I think that the Batman is a spell spellbinding example of excellent world building and the use of film as a visual art. The characters are understated and more down to earth than the average superhero film, but this leaves room for more mystery and atmosphere to take over. Um so I I really like the movie. I think it's three hour runtime uh, could ward off some, but in my opinion, it was necessary to let scenes breathe and give the audience time to think. Uh, and the movie is ultimately about solving a puzzle. And despite the amount of action, I would not put it under the action movie genre like every other superhero film has been, with it being more of a mystery crime thriller, twinge of horror having much more in common with movies in that realm than any other superhero film. Um, the film happens very slowly, and the snail's pace reveal of information could be irritating to some, but uh, to me that's the very thing that makes the movie compelling. Uh, I do find that there are undeniable imperfections with minor plot points. Some reveals came across to me as anticlimactic and the acting only simply does the job and nothing more um however this none of this struck my mind upon the first watch enough to detriment my enjoyment of the film so overall i thought the batman was great uh, i don't think it's for everyone but it scratched that itch i was looking for for a batman film based on solving a mystery and good old intrigue oh yes so at least one of us is a fan of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I really know. I really like it. I think I haven't had a movie in a long time like transport me into a, a, a mood, a feeling so so holy. Like I was just kind of transported Sorry, to, to this <laughs> it, I I think I I think I am. Uh it transported me to this red tinted rainy it just rains a hundred percent of the time there oh yeah it never doesn't rain in this gotham uh i was just like transported to this rainy gotham where uh you know nirvana played and uh this kurt cobain-esque uh brooding uh batman just kind of just kind of was my scenery for three hours oh yes so, shall we get into um, what we're... Now, for those of you who've never done or listened to one of these specials before, normally we break into what worked and what didn't work. So, I guess now normal, we'll start with the characters first. That's normally okay. what we do. So, let's first talk about Batman in this movie. So, for the most part, Batman is a very classic version of the character. And I was really happy about that. Um, I really liked the year time, year two time arrow they chose because it was Batman was still new, 
but knew more of what he was doing compared to Christopher Nolan's Batman, where, yeah, like in Dark Knight, Joker says Batman wasn't around a year ago, so he's still in that year one phase in Dark Knight. Yeah. So it felt more like the version from the Burton films, animated series, and Arkham games. So I don't know if we wanted to talk about the character first before we talk about Robert Pattinson's performance. Um, yeah, I I think I have more to say about the character anyway. So we can talk about Batman as a character in in this movie. Okay, so that's pretty much why to say I thought overall they did a great job of adapting the Batman character. We'll wait a little bit to talk about Bruce Wayne, which they didn't do as great a job on, but we'll focus on Batman right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's tough for me to say, like, kind of dig into my thoughts about that without touching on the Bruce Wayne element, because I think my feeling... Maybe I will talk about Bruce Wayne real quick then. Yeah, Just to make it easier. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess... uh, Oh, basically, my thought was that I would say there's barely even a Bruce Wayne in this movie, like, um, which I can see, like, I've seen this as a criticism that they just don't think he was a good Bruce Wayne, but he was a good Batman. But I don't even know if he's not a good Bruce Wayne because there's barely a Bruce Wayne in this movie. Um, However, I do think that to call this like a a bad part of the movie i think would be somewhat missing the point because i think it's it's it was an interesting take to me to have this um person barely bruce wayne of this person who's so consumed by this mechanism of dealing with his trauma and like that he really doesn't in at least at this point, two years into it, before we see what happens next, like we're seeing a, a glimpse of Batman's life where he, there just isn't Bruce Wayne there. He's kind of just transformed. He's just into this case. Like he becomes a mechanism for solving this case, but I think that's also potentially an interesting about thing about the character. And we see glimpses of Bruce Wayne come through and caring about Alfred and stuff. But, um, yeah, uh, it, it's really, it's tough because I, I do think that like there is nothing special about his performance as Bruce Wayne or anything, but I also don't know if that's really, I think like the way I draw from it is that that's kind of the point. Yeah. I think, um, like, I don't think they did as good a job with Bruce Wayne. But I kind of get where it's like, okay, he is still just starting out as Batman. He hasn't really created the Bruce Wayne persona. But it's not year one Batman. He's been Batman for a little bit. And I know what? I'm sorry. But, like, in the funeral scene, the uh, scene where they go to the funeral, where the cop mm-hmm. says, hey, look, Mr. Wayne, and he waves. Yeah. Come on, guys. Bruce Wayne's either Batman or the Riddler with the way he acts at that funeral. He's either yeah. Batman or the Riddler. Like, every, <laughs> there's yeah. no denying that. Like, I, 
now I think over obviously number one, it was nice to see that Matt Reeves understood that Batman is the real person and Bruce Wayne is the disguise. Which we see, I see some people on Twitter say like, "Well, no, Batman, Batman's just a symbol that Bruce Wayne created." I'm like, "Okay, you little Nolan <laughs> fan, don't get out of here with that crap." It's been a decade, and we're still seeing the negative effects of Christopher Nolan. Yeah, but um, I I like how we saw that, but at the same time, it's like this isn't year one Batman. This is year two. He should be developing a little, and I just think that if he's guarded about his identity, there should be a little bit more of a performance. And there, I, I don't, I don't know if it's more of, here's if we get in the sequel and it's like, it was because he's still figuring out how to be Batman and Bruce Wayne. I can understand that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you're in Gotham, he's either Batman or the Riddler. Like (laughs) he is like, Especially when police interact with him and he just stares like, oh, yeah, it's a funeral. <laughs> you know what? There was a moment because Bruce is so depressed in this movie. I thought he was going to go up to the kid and be like, hey, uh, my parents died, too. Does it get better? <laughs> no. If anything, it gets worse. That would be you awesome. Know, <laughs> you should consider yourself lucky. Why is that, Mr. Wayne? Well, you got to see your dad yesterday. I haven't seen my dad in 20 years. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wayne. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's been tough. <laughs> I just feel like this Bruce Wayne, every minute, every time he interacts with someone, he's going to be like, oh, Mr. Wayne, um, are you going to contribute to this mayoral fund? I would, but my parents, they died 20 years ago, and it still hurts. Yeah. I will admit, like, there are times in this movie where I really kind of laughed out loud because it's just like it's I but to me I feel like it, it so knows what it is and it's like doing it at the cost of making sense sometimes um and in some ways I respect it for that which is kind of where I'm coming from I guess yeah so let's talk about Robert Pattinson's performance as Batman so I overall thought he was good. Now, I'm not going to lie. I didn't like his performance as much as I thought I was going to. Like, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be like top, top. And overall, thought I thought he was good. Like, he did not break into that category where I put Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, Ben Affleck. I would say he's kind of a middle Batman where he's around where you'd put like, Adam West or Ian Glenn from Titans. Like overall, good. I do think there's room for improvement though. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when he was in the bat suit, it, it did get a little hard to understand what he was saying. Especially there was that one scene in the trailer where he pounds on the glass when he's speaking to Riddler, and mm-hmm. no one could understand what he was saying. And there were some moments. His voice did get a little Christian Bale-like. I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we don't want that. We want to avoid anything like Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Nolan fans. I admit, uh, this movie, <laughs> I don't I don't want to just keep bashing Nolan. You know, I mm-hmm. love Batman Begins, love Dark Knight. Better than this movie, in my opinion. But um, 
yeah, let's not get into the voice, but um, overall, I thought he was good. Clear of actors, like um, some are better at Bruce Wayne, some are better as Batman. Keaton, better as Batman. Christian Bale, even though I'm not a fan of his performance, was a better Bruce Wayne than he was as Batman. Uh, I'd say Ben is a better Batman than he was Bruce Wayne. Uh, Robert Pattinson clearly was a better Batman than Bruce Wayne, but I don't think the Bruce in here was really his choice. I think it was more direction by Matt Reeves of like, he's still figuring out how to be the persona of Bruce Wayne. So um, Mm -hmm. overall, you know, I liked him. I'm 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 okay with him being Batman. Just I didn't love his performance like I thought I was going to. Like mm-hmm. I think, like when we saw him like fight the dude and say I'm vengeance, I was just like, oh my god, this is gonna be awesome. And it didn't uh, to me. Pattinson didn't live up to the hype, but I thought overall he was good, and mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing more of him as Batman. So even though there's room for improvement. So what'd you think of Robert yeah. Pattinson as Batman? Yeah, I would say overall, um, I, I'll say after I'm still thinking about it. Cause after first watch, I would say I, um, I thought he was really good and, um, you know, it met expectations, I guess I would say, but, I, um, in, I maybe left, like, uh, left thinking about like, uh, now how good was it? Like, I don't, like the pervasive thing coming out of that movie, like it wasn't necessarily something about his performance as Batman that, that stood out. It was just like the movie as a whole and uh, uh, the overall feeling and directional choices of it. And I was just like, was Batman just kind of there like good enough? <laughs> like that's what I was trying to grapple with. And then I, I I watched it for a second time. You watched it twice. Yes, and I was like, you know, this is much better than I gave it credit for. I think so. I think um, I I would place it as as really good. I don't know where I would place it overall. I I don't know if it's absolutely blows my mind, but I I think it's really good. So I guess um. I guess we'll we'll narrow it down between our recent three of Bale, Affleck, and Pattinson. Where would you? How would you? I guess rank those three if you can. Hmm. Or is that something you haven't really thought about? <clears throat> I, you know, I'll say I I would put Pattinson up top. If we're talking those three, I can say pretty definitively I would put Pattinson up top. All right. Yeah. Of those three for me, I would say Affleck, Pattinson, Bale. Mm-hmm. All right. So <clears throat> overall, yeah. Yeah. That was Batman. All right. <laughs> the Batman. Let's talk about Catwoman in the movie. So, yeah. I really liked this version of Catwoman. I mm-hmm. thought it did a great job of showing that, you know, Batman has a very black and white view, you know. Crime is bad. Justice is good. Yeah. Vengeance? Hell yeah. But um, in Batman's world, what makes Catwoman so interesting is that she's the gray in his world. Like, she is, like, kind of like in Batman Returns, right? He's like, don't you see, Selena? We're the same. Split right down the center. But 
she's also a criminal and Batman knows that even like like Catwoman is in a position in her life like Batman could be with her because she could join him in on his mission of fighting crime in Gotham but the problem is she's also a criminal and you know I oh god I don't want to oh I'll mention it okay I thought they did a much better job showing that Catwoman was the gray compared to the previous movie version of Catwoman. Mm-hmm. That was done in The Dark Knight Rises. Again, I, I'm going to try to stop bringing up Dark Knight Rises. That's not what we're talking about. And I would say Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman might be my favorite casting in the movie. There's one other person who might be, but I thought Zoe Kravitz mm-hmm. did such a great job playing the role she actually was catwoman in the lego batman movie which overall i don't think is very good but she is catwoman in there Mm -hmm. and um, also she's in two marvel movies do you know what do you know what they are well not mcu just marvel in general should i know i don't all right she I don't think... is, I don't remember what the character's name is, but she is in X-Men First Class. Oh, okay. And she's Mary Jane in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. <laughs> yes. She's done pretty good for being Aquaman's stepdaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that, I think like a, a big thing, kind of like Batman, I think a big part of like playing Catwoman is kind of, how does her voice sound? And I thought, because I think the way you perform, like you kind of have to have like a special voice for it. And I think Zoe Kravitz, similar to Michelle Pfeiffer and Julie Newmar, Eartha Kitt, and the one from the Adam West movie, whose name I'm drawing a blank on, I'm sorry. But um, overall, they had a very distinctive voice when they played Catwoman. I thought Zoe did uh, a great job because there is like something in the Catwoman voice that's like, yeah, that sounds like Catwoman, kind of like how Batman sounds like Batman. So mm-hmm. overall, um, great version of Catwoman. I uh, might be my favorite. I, I would say right now, I think she was my favorite casting in the movie. I just thought she did such a great job as Catwoman. And um, the one thing I would change is I didn't like the mask that she had. I wish it would have been a little cooler looking, but you know, if we get her again, maybe they'll mm-hmm. do it. But yeah. oh, Zoe Kravitz, great Catwoman. So yeah, what do you think about Catwoman in the movie? Yeah. Also, uh, I also agree. Really great Catwoman. One of the standout characters of the movie to me. Um, like, uh, and I, it really it made so much of the movie so great to me as like the secondary main character almost um i almost like i personally hope they're gonna continue with a trilogy and i hope they don't drop the ball with like i think that this is such a, a standout character that it would be a disservice to not make this like the iconic Catwoman and give her her due in the next like two movies as well because you think she'll um, be in the next movie i i don't have a prediction i just think that she should absolutely it's hard to imagine like 
moving on with this version without Catwoman to me. Now. I could, I, I kind of think they, she might not be in the second one and she'd return for the third one. I could see that. And that wouldn't upset me too much, but I want her to return for sure because it just, it wouldn't be the same completely yes. without her. Um, so yeah, one of the standout performances and it does feel to me immediately iconic in a way that I was just like, that's Catwoman, And you know, I, I, basically forgot until this podcast recording that there was a Catwoman <laughs> in live action previous um in the Nolan movies. Yes. Like that's how forgettable I, that was in comparison. Honestly, whenever someone brings up Anne Hathaway, I never remember that she's Catwoman. Yeah. Like, like I always... remember yeah, I remember Anne Hathaway for things and she's famous, but Catwoman, I it's it slips my mind. Yes. All right, so let's move on to Jim Gordon. All right. Timothy himself, if we want to quote the office. Yeah, Jimothy. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been? I just, I would love that. If, like, maybe Batman <laughs> would have like, been like, do you prefer Jimothy? <laughs> uh, Jim. J- oh, yes. Can I, Jim, Jimothy, can I call you Jimothy? That sounds a little weird. Do you prefer <laughs> Jim? James. Uh, yeah, one of the best film versions of Jim Gordon we've ever had on film. It felt like a combination of Gary Oldman, who is my favorite Commissioner Gordon, although he's not Commissioner in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and Pat Hingle from the Burton Schumacher movies. And I liked how you, it, in this movie, because one of my things about some of the other Batman movies is that it didn't really feel like Gotham needed a Batman. Like, it was like, well, maybe Gotham police is like they're a little corrupt, but <laughs> I liked how in this movie it felt like Gordon was in a position where Batman was the only one he could trust. And Jeffrey Wright was, I thought, great in the role. Um, I am excited to see him as Commissioner Gordon. I mean, James Gordon, I think he's lieutenant in the movie, but he's not commissioner yet. But overall, I thought he was great in the movie. So what'd you think? about this film's version of James Gordon himself. Yeah. Yeah, I love I loved Jim Gordon. Uh, great chemistry with with Batman in this. Um it, like of course Gary Oldman as many was a like an insanely good Jim Gordon. It's so hard to compare. That's one thing the Nolan movies has for sure is a great Jim Gordon. Oh yeah. So it's hard to compare, but I like that it is different. I like the um um, you know that he he doesn't have that much. He's not a commissioner yet, obviously. Um, uh, and he doesn't have that much power, and he's kind of struggling against that. But he's the one who believes in Batman. And I'm gonna look up what was he in the film? I think he's a lieutenant. I think I read somewhere he was a lieutenant. <clears throat> um, but yeah, Lieutenant Gordon. Um, I assume. Yeah, he's a lieutenant. Uh, I mean. It, I think he's like I said, I think he's he's great. And um, I mean. It also part of the greatness to me um, has to do with the fact that this probably has this movie is probably my favorite depiction of the relationship between Batman and the Gotham police, because just the extent of the corruption and like not shying away from the ugliness and like having a really hateful like back and forth between the police and Batman. Um, 
it felt like it read the room a little bit better for the times as well, uh, acknowledging police corruption and stuff. And uh, it just it, it made for a more enticing like like this is why it's made one of the only times I've really believed that they need a vigilante hero, which has sometimes been my problem in superhero movies where um, it's like in the past I might have thought of it as a little bit of a dangerous concept to just have a vigilante going and fighting justice. But like um, when the police are absolutely corrupt to their core and doing the crimes um, there, there there's a lesson there. And uh, I like that um, uh, Batman is trying to do good in the face of all of this and the dynamic of Jim Gordon truly being the absolute only sliver of like an in that he has into the inner workings of Gotham. And even then he's like not welcome there. Um, It's a great dynamic. Yeah. uh, I think that like the only like, adaptions that really went into how corrupt the Gotham police department was, is the Batman and the Gotham TV show. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you ever read Batman year one? It's still sitting there. Okay. Cause that is, still there's a lot from there. that they pulled mm-hmm. from that. Also, here's a little fun fact. Cause I didn't know if I need to say it now. So I don't forget. Mm-hmm. The movie's clearly inspired by Batman, the long Halloween. Yeah. One of um, Matt Reeves' screenwriting, I think he was a screenwriting teacher, was Jeff Loeb, who wrote The Long Halloween. So there's a little Mm -hmm. connection there. Interesting. Yes. Kind of like how Star Wars, everyone's connected. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's talk about our favorite butler, Alfred Pennyworth himself. Oh, yes. Yes. So I thought Andy Serkis was very good in the was great in the role. I don't know if there has been a better cast character in superhero history than Alfred Pennyworth, because every single one, starting with William Austin in 1943, through uh, Michael Goff, through Michael Caine, through Jeremy Irons, through Sean Pertwee in Gotham, and now Andy Serkis, every one has been like perfect casting. And I don't, I just, I don't want jinx, but I don't know if we've ever had a comic book character that has been perfectly cast so many <laughs> times. Like every single time you're like, yeah, yeah, you're as you're a right, definitive actually. Alfred. I've never disliked an Alfred. Yes. So Andy Serkis was great in the role. Um, he reminded me a lot of Sean Pertwee's version from the Gotham TV show. Who's my favorite version of Alfred. Um, yes. Andy Serkis is very good in the role. Not a lot to say about Alfred. Cause he's very underused in the film. Which isn't a problem until something that happens later in the film where you're like, well, this has no emotional context because of he was underused earlier. But mm-hmm. overall, great performance. Hopefully they use him better in another movie. So what do you think about Andy Serkis' Alfred in the movie? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's fun. I... Andy Serkis as Alfred was, was one of the castings that I did not know until I was watching it. And when really? he walked in, I was like, precious. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and I think it's funny that he uh, says that he uh, 
who's like remembering his days in the circus. That's his name. Anyway. Oh, it's a um, uh, I think he was very good. Um, I'm now like mention you mentioning that how solid every single casting of Alfred has been makes me feel a little bit a little bit better about the fact that like I was just like I do think it was a really great casting as Alfred and a great performance. I I don't know like in comparison to anything like it just felt like yeah there's Alfred yeah. <laughs> it was perfectly yeah. solid um and I can see uh what you're saying about maybe some of the underutilized like I I would have like I do think that later despite very little um very little relative screen time that when it was important for you to care about him and the relationship with Batman, um, there there maybe could have there could have been a little bit more build up to that to make you really care about Alfred. Uh, it would have been to the movie's benefit, but I do think they did a good job at sort of retroactively showing just how much Alfred cares and the close connection they have. Uh, and uh, I think the other thing I, I really liked, actually, is, uh, you know, he uh, showed himself to be very helpful and resourceful um, and actually, you know, helped with some of the mystery solving. I very much appreciate it. Like, in general, this movie just had, um, you know, Batman was not like a, a Sherlock-type genius who walked in and immediately knew everything. He got help from all of his friends, and I always love that kind of stuff. And oh, Alfred yes. was a was a, a smart help, and I thought that was a good utilization of the character, at least for that, to the small extent that that happened. Yes. So, yes. Another All solid right. character. Oh, yes. So I'll bring up one other character in positives. I don't know. Maybe if we're talking positives right now, there might be a character you want to bring up after this. But I'll bring mm-hmm. up the last character I have positive, and that is Oswald Cobblepie himself, the Penguin. Yeah. Yes. So I loved this version of Penguin. I felt like it was the perfect combination of Danny DeVito's like Penguin, where he's like a little more comedic and he's still trying to like fit in, but yet also like the version that I think his name is Robin Lord Taylor played in the Gotham TV show of mm-hmm. he's trying to rise up in the Gotham underworld and and. Um, Matt Reeves said that this version of Penguin was inspired by Fredo from The Godfather, which mm-hmm. I can now see. Really, I thought he was—I thought he was inspired by Babyface Antonio. Oh man, I wish! Like, oh. what were those fake candy cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. And I really liked how they had him run the Iceberg Lounge, like we had in Batman the Animated Series in the Arkham games, and. One of the things is I if he at some points felt like a throwback to like old classic 40s and 50s villains. Like one of my favorite moments is where Batman's fighting the villain. And he goes, hey, take it easy, sweetheart. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was that felt awesome. like something that we've been missing, like a little bit of fun. And I mentioned earlier that Zoe Kravitz is, my I think, my favorite casting in the movie, but 
my other one is probably Colin Farrell as Penguin. I thought he did such a great job. So to me, those two, in terms of casting, were the standouts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought I just I love this version of Penguin. I thought yeah. he was great. Uh, yeah. So when you uh, said this is your last positive to bring up, unless I or I can bring up more positive, I was like. I hope it's the penguin because then I'm going to have to awkwardly with my tail between my legs say the penguin is one of the coolest characters in this movie to me. Yes. Uh, Every scene he's in just makes me smile. He's such a standout. Um, He has a a, a delightful and engaging chemistry with everyone. I like that he's like a somewhat lower level mob boss and he's not like just this like pure evil villain and uh i mean not saying he's good i'm saying uh you know he's, he's just and crying a little he's bit. he's not he's, full falcon yet yeah he's uh sort of neutral just doing what he wants and most of what he wants is pretty bad but um it, uh Gosh, I just the old mobster style thing. It was such it was so fitting for the um, tone of the movie, too, um, that it just felt right in place. Uh, Yeah, great. Not not enough positives about the penguin in this. Yes. So let's move on to Well, I guess you could kind of consider this a character. We'll talk about Gotham City. I was going to say that as like a eye rolling joke <laughs> that my favorite character in the movie was Gotham City. Oh, yes. So I think this and the Joker movie are the best versions of Gotham City we've ever seen in a live action movie. And this was a scary place that felt like it needed a Batman. And yeah. <clears throat> I don't know how to describe this, but it felt like. It was trying to be grounded and realistic, but it didn't sacrifice kind of like this is a, a superhero movie. Like mm-hmm. it felt like um, like I love the Dark Knight, but I don't think it's the best looking Batman movie. I think some of it is like in terms of like the costumes and sets and all that. I'm just like, eh. but I liked how like it was trying to be grounded and realistic, but yet it still looked cool. Like. I think mm-hmm. the best way to describe it is this, and I don't know if this makes sense, but it feels like Tim Burton inspired Batman in a post Christopher Nolan world. If you know what I mean, like it just like mm-hmm. it looks comic booky, but still we have a little bit of dabble in the real world. And I think part yeah. of it is like <clears throat> the movie has kind of a timeless feel. Like it could have take place, it could take place in 2022, yes, or it could take place in the 70s for all we know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought they did a great job with Gotham in the movie. So what'd you think about Gotham um, City? Uh, okay, so beloved, because I loved this movie and I have a lot of hyperbolous things to say, I will say that if you take one hyperbolous thing that I say away from, from this, I can absolutely say that this is my favorite Gotham uh, that has ever been portrayed. And that it is probably the best thing that this movie gave to me. I really love this Gotham. And immediately after uh, watching it, I turned to my friend and said, 
I just want like the next Arkham game to be set here. Like I just like this is such a cool setting. Um and uh um also, I, I I must say, like my favorite kind of setting is exactly what you mentioned, which is this sort of timelessness, where it's not like commenting too much on like this is set in right now, so it's relatable to you, the audience, right now, because we have yeah. smartphones and social media. I mean, there. Uh, to be fair, a smartphone and a live stream was a major part of this yeah. movie. But then he, Batman, also had like a like what looked like a. 80s laptop or something like yeah. the, it felt like um like a series of unfortunate events does that where it's some, like yes. it, one will have a computer and then they'll be using like a telegram and yes. it just or feels... old rotary phone <laughs> and also that series never mentions a real world city at all it just kind of takes place there's like yes. it doesn't need to explain that to you and i liked that this gotham a lot of times uh like Sometimes it can feel like it's Gotham, but I mean, it's New York City, like something like yeah, that. Or Chicago. It, or, yeah, um, where it feels like a real world city uh, and you can kind of make those connections. This felt so like, I almost want to say fantasy like because it felt like you, it just it's it's complete own universe with its own rules but it was also completely down to earth in the fact that it, there was no real like fantasy to it or um uh it wasn't overly comic booky like you said but it had, it had a little of that um it managed to be extremely down to earth while also feeling like it was completely its own world with its own rules and i thought yeah. it played into those rules very well like, um, I mean, this, this part was kind of, this is, I don't know, this is a little hard to explain, but like, like the part where, uh, and this has a little to do with the choices of, um, how to portray Batman, but like, for some reason, like when Batman was running away and he got to the top of the like, police tower and had to jump off in this like weird contraption where he floated down and it was very ungraceful and he just slammed into the ground and like it's all rainy and wet and he slams into the wet ground. That That's kind of an example of how I feel like uh, this Gotham just has like its own rules and they're kind of grounded in reality. But um, when things don't quite makes sense like uh i don't know he also like walks he's right up in the face of a bomb and it explodes and he seems basically <laughs> fine it like all of that kind of makes sense within the logic of this gotham uh in a way that's kind of hard to explain but it's because i feel like it did a really good job of world building oh yes so let's talk about the well this part might be a little hard for you to talk about Let's okay. talk about the influence that Jeff Loeb's The Long Halloween had on this movie. Yeah, let's. Yes. So, Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale is one of my favorite Batman comics. They actually did, like, a little sequel book that came out last year. It's like a $10 little longer issue. It was awesome. It was great. So, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. The the newest kind of like 14th issue of the long Halloween for its 25th anniversary. It was great. So I thought now here's the thing. 
We already have a movie based on the long Halloween called The Dark Knight. But I, you know, The Long Halloween's this big 13 issue series. I thought Matt Reeves did a great job of taking what Nolan hadn't taken from the, um, for the Dark Knight and crafting uh, its own separate movie. And thought what he took from the ideas he took from The Long Halloween, he was able to create a movie that is very different from the dark knight but if you watch them back to back then you do have the long halloween story you just have to edit them Mm -hmm. a little bit but yeah you watch those two back to back you have the story of the long halloween so i'm assuming you've not read the long halloween no no so the point it's a bit useless to talk about your thoughts on it so yeah but i mean there but there it is (laughs) <laughs> yes so i guess let's jump into you so now i only have a few other positive things to bring up so i guess we'll jump back and forth for positive stuff to bring up i mean i i almost feel like i would feel better uh relaying my positives in response to your negatives when we get into it. Oh, okay. To relieve us a little bit. Okay. Um, because I, I don't have any necessarily specific positive notes, but there are other there are a couple other things that come to mind that I did like that because you have left them off, I assume you didn't like. Oh, okay. Yes. Although, you know, there's a chance because this is a three hour movie and it's been a while. So I had to read the summary off oh, Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to read ahead of time, but I wasn't able to before we recorded this. It was they put out a novel, a prequel novel that takes place before the movie. Oh, I heard of this. Yeah. Yes, I got it. Luckily, I got it for my birthday because I, I think it's sold out right now. Like, oh, yes. I mean, you can get a digital version off Apple mm-hmm. Books or whatever, but I still I've been I've been meaning to get to it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, so, that's, that's interesting. Yes. So let's talk about the... Oh, you know what it is? It's one of those... Do you remember when we were younger when they would have the junior novels that would have, like, the pictures from the movie in the middle? Yeah. Oh, They got oh, yeah. that in there. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I love that. <laughs> that's what we need right now. Yes. All right. We'll talk about the Batmobile chase. Let's talk about that. Okay. So one of the coolest Batmobile scenes we've ever seen. And I love the Batmobile design in this movie. It is, I think, the best. Uh, Look, I like the Tumblr, especially as someone who loves Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. That's where clearly Tumblr had its influence from. Mm -hmm. I really liked Ben Affleck's Batmobile. But I would say I think this is the best looking Batmobile we've had since George Clooney's in Batman and Robin. Like, mm-hmm. it just looks so classic and sleek and yeah. just chef's kiss I would get. Mwah. Yeah, it's just it's it looks awesome. So it's really awesome. I also really... I also love it. Um, And uh, another example of something that like uh, when you see it for the first time in this movie, it just makes sense because it fits into the logic yeah. of this world completely. I, I would also like to bring up something real quick. You know, some people freak out whenever they see set photos or whatever. Mm -hmm. We have 
if you go back, we talk about how horrible the suit in this movie looks from those set photos. But in context of the movie, mm-hmm. it looked great. The suit did. I uh, I did not have. I thought it looked cool the whole time. I completely forgot. It, it, in context, it, yeah, there's no complaints in context. Yes. I mean, I would have liked for like maybe the size of the chin to be covered a little yeah. more. But I think my only like I think this is probably a comment, but the little teeny ears are like Yeah, I would say a little questionable. more questionable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Batmobile Chase was great. I love what Penguin's like, I got you, I got you. Yeah. But the, he didn't get him. And um obviously we're throwing a lot of tributes to Neil Adams. <clears throat> Batmobile looks very Neil <laughs> Adams like, as did the suit. So what'd you think of the Batmobile Chase? That was awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. Um, like I, I mentioned in my first comments that like I really love that this. It's like the superhero genre is like synonymous with the action genre. And like in my first comment, I, I like that this kind of challenges that a bit. We're like, this is a superhero movie, but the genre is is not an action movie. This scene challenges that somewhat, but I also think it is, you know, the exception to the rest of the movie. But it is uh, so well placed in the movie and like, I mean, there's a lot of buildup. It's really cathartic for there to be that big scene at that part of the movie. And it is, man, it's just one of the coolest car chases. Uh, uh, I mean... I usually think car chases are kind of annoying in movies. Oh, yes. Like, I do, too. Like, it's just like, don't know what's going on, and it's just loud, and I don't care about cars that much. But this had so many visuals and interesting things going on that, uh, and, like, a lot of the Penguin, which, as we talked about, is <laughs> one of the best characters in this movie. Yes. And I just love he, he the Penguin being so sure that he got him. And then ultimately a massive crash in which Batman just totally has him and he's sl- <laughs> that slow walk up and just oh, kind yes. of, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, it, yes. it, it, that is, that is a standout scene for sure. All right. Let's talk about, oh, <laughs> okay. We'll bring this up. I, I, I didn't want to talk about, I don't want to keep talking. This is about the Batman. This isn't about the Dark Knight Rises. But I do have something that I need to bring up. Mm-hmm. It's towards the end. So we're getting close to the end of my positives. Um, I really enjoyed how this, at the end, called out that stupid ending from the Dark Knight Rises and said, that's wrong. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what it is. There's a scene where towards the end, after I think Riddler's been defeated, um catwoman talks about how she's leaving gotham and asks batman to come with her yeah but batman looks up and he sees the bat signal and he's like no i can't do it and it was just like yes yeah that is the way it's supposed to be you know it's supposed to be where um batman's duty to gotham comes above everything else and um, it also showed he can't be with Catwoman because she is also a criminal. And once again, showed that, like, I mean, look, we're all, again, I said it earlier, we're all a little sensitive as Batman fans. 
because the the last solo Batman director did not understand the character. So it was nice to see Matt Reeves did understand the Batman character. Like, no, can't go with her. His duty is to save Gotham. So I don't know if you have as much of a reaction to that, where it was like, yeah, call out the crap Night Rises. Do it, I t- I totally noted that. Like, it, it came to mind where, like, uh, it, it's like, if he leaves right now, that's uh, completely contrary <laughs> to the rest of this movie. And, of course... I didn't expect him to, and he, he did stay. But uh, I did note that that is distinctly different from The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yes. So I guess I'll bring up my last positive thing. Again, um, it's been almost three months since I've seen the movie. <laughs> and, um, yeah. All right. I liked how at the end, Batman realized he can be more than just a vengeful vigilante, and he can inspire hope. And it felt like it was another... It was him becoming even more like that classic version of Batman. Like he's not going to be Superman where he gives speeches or Captain America, but mm-hmm. it's more than just like, um, I'm going to find, you know, whoever killed my parents. It's like, yeah, I'm going to make sure that what happened to me happens to no one else. And it's, it's a lot kind of like in Batman forever where he's just like, um, See, I'm both Bruce Wayne and Batman, not because I have to be, but because I choose to be. So mm-hmm. I thought um, it's a little bit unearned, but I liked the resolution of like, yes, I'm more than just a vengeful vigilante who beats up muggers. So, mm-hmm. which, oh, by the way, that opening scene was pretty good, too, where he fights the um, gang who looks like yeah. they're imitating the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he beats up someone who played Tim Drake, the third Robin in Titans. So that was interesting to see. So Mm -hmm. a little multiverse connection for you. Was that (laughs) Tim Drake meeting younger Batman? Who knows? (laughs) So, yeah. What'd you think about that kind of resolution at the end? Um, what, uh, what was this point? It was like him, like realizing he can be like more of a symbol for hope instead of just the vengeful vigilante. Oh yeah. Well, I, um, I mean, I ultimately think that the motivations in this movie were solid and uh, Batman's probably the most. So I was I was definitely uh, compelled by that. Um, definitely believable. Um, I think all of the motivations in this movie were, were pretty solid. Um, you'll at the very least, we can agree that this one was. Yes. All right. Now. Positives are out of the way. Let's get into what <laughs> didn't work now, to be fair. I have... It's not the end of positive. I'll chime in some positives. Yeah, like, to be fair, I have like 10 positives, 13 negatives. So it is a little even. It's of. not that bad. I have two negatives. I think that's it. Okay. So we talked about almost every character in the movie, except for one. There's one we we didn't mention in the positives. Yeah, I know. And that is, oh, you know it's coming. <laughs> I know it's coming. And you know, I, I like I like this character. And I know what you're oh, going to say, yeah. I'm glad you liked <laughs> this version. All right, let's talk about the Riddler. So the Riddler to me in this movie, first of all, well, 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 okay. He never felt like he was a real threat or had much of a presence in the movie. He would just pop up at random times. <laughs> oh, I'm here. Oh, I'm here. He never felt like, Heath Ledger's the Joker or Jack's the Joker. He just felt like he would randomly pop up. And honestly, when I think of the movie, I never think of the Riddler. 
Like he is to me the most forgettable character in the movie. And at times, especially with when we saw the whole live stream thing, that felt really corny. And overall, especially knowing this came from the long Halloween, I get it. At some time, you don't want him to feel like a Joker clone because mm-hmm. he could be. Yeah. But this felt like more of a crazy version of the villain Holiday from Jeff Loeb's and Tim Sale's The Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just say it. In terms of every Batman movie we've ever had, this is the most forgettable villain. Like, Tom Hardy's Bane, I think, is the worst Batman movie villain. Mm-hmm. But he's still memorable. Like, you remember him for, like, for how awful he is. Like, when I think of the Batman, honestly, I honestly forget he was in the movie. Because he just, he had no presence. He didn't feel like he was really much of a threat. And he was just kind of there in the background. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, the most forgettable character in the movie. Um, honestly, I could care less if we ever see him again. Because I did like how they didn't kill him off. Like, he's still... Mm-hmm around where he could pop up but i yeah compared to catwoman or penguin i could care less if we ever see this version i just yeah whatever so what do you yeah. think about you like this version of the riddler though i do it, when you say honestly when i think of the batman i have to say i think that the riddler is one of the things about it that does stand out to me and i'll explain the reason for that um because again like i mentioned i i mentioned a lot like how i feel this like constitutes a different genre of film and take it has more in common with like other films and so like to me this type of villain is what the movie needed to um be the mystery that it was uh and like he's not that present but it does kind of give this sense of like um he could strike at any time and you don't even really know who it is and um but uh let let me uh get more into um so um yeah, this is what I wrote. So I think the thing, I get some of what you're saying, but to me, the strongest thing about him as the Riddler, and this might not make sense at first, is how unbelievably lame he is. <laughs> Just this little Dorcas, like Also, he comes nothing. off pretty corny, especially with how muffled his voice was. Yeah, this guy's pathetic. And to me, that makes it special to me. Because I think a lot of times movies depict like serial killers and villains as these like dastardly smart, like kind of battle of the wits with the main character um, that like sometimes get these cult followings for being like so badass. And that was an interesting change of pace to me is that this villain is completely not badass. In fact, I think it reflects like a lot of like... (sighs) like as someone obsessed with true crime and it will just like watch like police interrogation videos in full and stuff and just like sees how like 
just whiny and small and like not smart or cool in any way a lot of like murderers are like I, I it really stuck with me the first time and i will say after first seeing the movie it took me a little while to think about it more and justify it as one of the good parts of the movie because um i wasn't sure like the reactions to a lot of the stuff that he did and like the way he talked and uh the way he interacted with Batman on the one scene, like they didn't strike me the way I would normally expect a villain interaction to strike me. But like, it really did stick with me the first time we see him without his mask. And to me, he just looks so like pasty and pathetic just sitting there that he's just some dumb kid who like, uh, it's it's interesting to me, and then in the in the interaction with uh, you know, he turns himself in t- as an excuse to meet Batman, who he's kind of obsessed with, and the fact that he just he did all of this evil, reading the whole thing totally wrong. Like he has this unrequited fan love for Batman, and everything he did was for nothing. And I thought his reaction to that was really amazing because it seemed so pathetic, and it, you're just left thinking like. All of this, like, murder and mayhem and riddles and all of this, like, basically, Batman failed, the Riddler failed, we're all bummed out. But it's just, like, so bleak how this guy got so obsessed and murdered people, and it just seemed kind of reflective of the completely, like, the pointlessness of a lot of of how murder actually is. Um, and also I have to say, like, I mean, this Riddler, uh, I mean, people compare it to like Unabomber or like it was directly inspired by the Zodiac Zodiac killer. And I mean, I think there's a lot to that because I mean, I, I totally see it. Um, well, Matt Reeves did confirm he was inspired by the Zodiac killer. I did. I did see, see that. Um, but I, I think it's also one of the characters that kind of ties this together in with, I have, I've seen this comparison so much that it might be too much, but I also think that the comparisons are so similar that I almost can't go without mentioning the similarities to one of my favorite movies, which is seven and uh, the like weird, like off screen relationship that the main characters have with trying to catch this killer. Um, And the like little surprises that they leave throughout the way. So that the villain acts as an antagonist and a driver of the plot kind of off screen. Um, and like I could easily say that I think that Penguin is the more standout, stronger villain in this, uh, which I think is needed for how this Riddler is portrayed. But I don't like. I do think he was a, a very good driver of the mystery and added to some of the bleak bleakness and hopelessness. And um, I don't know. There's something like typical depictions of crazy, like sort of fall flat to me lately. And something about the way he's like uh, recording 
in this like empty room, like uh, just screaming at the camera, and he does not sound cool doing it. It just it it struck something with me, uh, yeah. um, where it's like I don't know if it's good, but it's it, it's uh, I think it was um, I think it was very intentional, and that does stick out to me that they set out to do something quite different with a, a villain and i think they succeeded at it being quite different yes i can say everything you said sounds good <laughs> everything you said like he's just this normal pathetic guy but yet i just felt he had almost no presence in the movie it felt like because the movie was so overstuffed with so many different plots. It felt like, oh, we're going to focus on this. And, oh, yeah, Riddler killed another person. Oh, let's take a break from this and work work on whatever this jerk just did. And I almost felt like besides the, like, big final thing, which he kind of sets off, like, he has almost no, no presence in the movie. Like, he could almost have been cut because he has so, like... He is so inconsequential, except for the end in the movie. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I even know what other plots you're even like. To me, it just seems like this movie is following the Riddler's next murder and then going to the Riddler's next murder and then going to the Riddler's next murder. Like, I, I don't really even know what the other plot lines are. Well, I guess we will get to it. But it's not like um, there's a whole Catwoman thing. Where it's like finding about Falcone and her friend, and then it's uh, we get another main plot line thrown in about Bruce and his parents. Which did I tell you what I was afraid of when I heard there was like a creative choice people didn't like? Which I don't hmm. know what they're talking about, uh, but oh, I, I have a feeling. I'll say, I, could it be that the corruption of his father, that Thomas Wayne was corrupt himself? Maybe, but I don't think the movie said he was that corrupt. I mean. He was going to pay a journalist, and then Falcone was the one who killed Like, Thomas Wayne didn't get the gun and say, come on, journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's He's not the... perfect. I, I, I think other people might have read it as being, like, Thomas Wayne was not a complete idol in this. Um, he was one of the corrupt, like, politicians. Well, I almost, I took it as, like, he was doing a little bit of a great thing, but... He trusted Falcone, and then Falcone yeah. kind of went against him, and he learned, like, oh, my God, I trusted the wrong person because... Yeah. No, Falcone is definitely the bigger evil. Yeah, is it? Arguably the biggest evil in the movie. Like, he kind of comes across as the top-level yeah. evil. I think because, that's the like, point. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think... I think people who are... If there's anyone who's just like, this just showed Thomas Wayne is evil, so it's like... No, I think it showed he made a mistake and trusted the wrong people. Like, paying yeah. someone was bad, but, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's... Thomas Wayne, this version, wasn't evil or whatever. You know, for sure. He definitely wasn't evil. I could see just people having a problem with the idea that he paid off a journalist or something. Like, yes, yeah. that's, that's it. My fear, because a lot of people thought that we were going to find out Riddler and Bruce were somehow related or like brothers or something. Mm -hmm. I think that probably came from the Court of Owls storyline where a villain tried to convince Bruce they were brothers or something. I thought, because I don't know why, okay, this is just something that looks like, okay, it wasn't a 
stupid scenario that was like a thing that could train wreck this movie before <laughs> I went to go see it. I was just yeah. like, what if we find out that R- Riddler is actually Bruce Wayne and that Bruce in the Batsuit finds out he is not related to the Waynes or something? <laughs> like they were sort of switched at birth. Oh. I would be like, screw this movie. <laughs> that would be. Yeah, pretty bad. That would be a creative choice that no one remember. You thought Martha was bad? Oh, no. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> that would be a pointless creative choice that would. <laughs> a twist that would ruin everything. Yes. All right. Let's talk about um another issue I have with the movie. It has horrible pacing issues. Just horrible, horrible pacing issues. It lingers way too long on all the scenes, and it kept losing me because so much unnecessary buildup time was spent to get to something interesting. And, like, look, some movies, like, we won't bring up Endgame because that's Marvel. Like The Godfather, right? Mm -hmm. One of the best movies ever made. Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. That's a three-hour movie, but it doesn't waste its screen time. Like everything, like it moves the plot forward. Even like, mm-hmm. um, even like the wedding scene. At the, the have you seen The Godfather? No. Well, you should, cause <laughs> I, I think yeah. you'd like it. You should sit down and watch okay. The Godfather. Um, even though I like Part Two better, but even like some people could say you would cut the wedding scene at the opening, cause you know the whole you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding stuff like that. Yeah. But the wedding is used to kind of introduce the. Ki- our main characters like, okay, here is Vito Corleone. He is the, you know, the crime boss. Here is Michael Corleone. He's a world war two soldier. He doesn't want to be part of the family business. And like he even says to his girlfriend, he talks about how his father threatened to kill someone. And then she, he has a surprise look and she's, and he says, that's, that's not me, Kate. That's my family or whatever. So it introduces everything. And we don't linger. Like this was like, Oh my god, like deleted scene, okay? Did you ever see the deleted scene with the Joker? No. There's a deleted scene where Joker walks to the table. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Joker, how long does it take you to walk to a damn table? Like, come <laughs> on. It's yeah. it cuts all these different camera angles of Joker walking. Mm-hmm. Batman staring at Joker walking. It's just like, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. This isn't real. This is movie time. This isn't supposed to be real time. Mm-hmm. So there was no reason for this movie to be three hours long. It just, yeah, I just, there were so many like unnecessary, there was so much unnecessary stuff that could have been cut. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, the pacing in this movie was awful. It was yeah. just, it's worse than like some, I would say it's even worse than Batman versus Superman's pacing. Like the pacing is awful in this movie. So what do you think about that? That is yeah. like one of the main things I hope Matt Reeves works on for the second movie, mm-hmm. which is work on your pacing. So yeah. what do you think? I unfortunately, I think that this is. I can't def- defend any of that. I just I think that there's kind of a taste thing here because I mean, at least for me and I genuinely I, I had a conversation about liking an aspect of this with a friend as well who also really liked this movie and 
we are both kind of agreeing on this, but um, I'll speak for myself in that as my t- as my taste in movies is slightly changing and I want different things from cinema, one of the biggest things I'm realize I'm ex- realizing that I'm exhausted by is packing a movie with so much so much content, so much to give you, so much to tell you. Um, and like moving through it too quickly, like just like we need to tell this whole story and throw in all this dialogue and every single time something is done being said or a scene is done, uh, like playing out, we're just on to the next thing. And it's it that style of filmmaking it, it just it loses something for me where what I like in this movie and when I think about a lot of the movies that I really like I recently um decided that my favorite movie of all time is the horror film Midsummer. Uh, that was a decision I made and I started telling everyone after I got my, uh, director's cut, uh, uh, Blu-ray edition of the movie. Um, that movie, especially with the director's cut is over three hours long and it is a horror movie that just kind of slowly takes you through scene to scene of this, uh, you know, weird Swedish cult. And, uh, I mean, the reasons why that's so good in that movie to me are completely different, but it's just a reminder to me of like, and this is the way the friend of mine said it was literally, I think I like just boring, long slog, dry movies. Like, (laughs) it was just like, I just want three hours where I'm just like, just hit with a just slog of slow pacing and just like just vibes and feelings and um i kind of uh agree with that that i feel like it's a taste thing or just a different style of storytelling where um like you could cut stuff for sure and it wouldn't the story would be told the same but like as i'm watching it i just want more time to digest things especially with how the, the the setting is which relies a lot on like sound and score and like you know like even just a another extra second to hear the rain outside stuff like that is like really important to me in films and um i think like the the plot I, I like I said I have two major issues which I can get into later. So it's not that this the pacing is is perfect or anything. Uh but I just I don't fault it for that. Like I just I I like that there's 3 hours just laid out for you. It is what it is. Um I'm fine that it lingers on scenes. I'm fine. It's also like it's kind of a Western style thing too. I've heard Breaking Bad is called a Western, like a modern Western. And one thing that oh, Breaking really? Bad, the series does is I think I've also, one movie I've seen that is three hours is the good, the bad and the ugly. That's a classic movie. I was surprised how much I liked that movie because I never thought I liked Westerns. 
But a thing I noticed about like the Western style of filmmaking and stuff and Breaking Bad does this kind of thing and it's set in the desert is just like lingering. Like imagine even if you haven't seen any Westerns, imagine like the stereotype of just like seeing a cowboy just standing there and it's silent and it's just like you're waiting. And then like it's just like these long shots where you're just kind of like hear the desert and things just linger a little too long. And I like that. But it's not for everyone. Yeah, like, I'm not saying I need this to be action, action, action all the time. But, like, Mm -hmm. and we should, you shouldn't, like, compare every movie to this. But we mentioned The Godfather. Yeah. The Godfather Part 2, which is my favorite of the series, is three hours and 40 minutes long. Which, that's a fun, that's that's a full day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is a quiet time commitment. But, like... And it's not like it's a rapid paced movie, but it never feels like there's moments in here that are just a waste of time. Yeah, I like, get you. Why are we focusing on this? Let's get let's let's move. Come on. Yeah. And I would agree to that. Like, I guess a, a movie that I can think of that's probably about that long is the final Lord of the Rings, the, the Return of the King, which also it's certainly not like just action all the way through, but it does. Um, um, it doesn't do what this movie does with, which is just like linger on just anything. Um, actually one scene that comes to mind in this movie that maybe was a little long, that phone is ringing for a long time. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, it when uh, the bit. guy has the phone strapped to his arm and oh, at the funeral, it's scene? for bat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I just re- when I rewatched it, it was just yesterday, and um, I was like doing something while that scene was going, and I just heard a phone ringing for it felt like five minutes, like and I was just like, is Batman gonna answer the phone? Like, <laughs> um, so there there's stuff like that where I I, I kind of agree. Um, I mean, you could argue it's a lot, it's, it's tension building. And like, that's one of the things that gives, like, gives you anxiety waiting for the next thing to happen. But, um, yeah, there, there are definitely scenes like that. I don't remember if I remember because it's been a while since I've seen it. And unlike mm-hmm. you, I've only seen it once. I would have watched it a second time. Cause like, oh, there's another Batman movie on HBO max, but we live in a world where I'm there's a bunch of Superman losses I gotta get caught, caught up <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, there, I think there. I remember watching the movie where you know in the funeral scene where the car crashes through. They're at yeah. church, right? Yes. I just remember thinking, God, this car is taking a long time to get to this church because <laughs> the you Bruce is looking and she's like, All right, when's the car gonna hit the church? Where is it? The, yeah no sure i mean that that is the exact scene that like what i'm talking about happens like two minutes yeah. later it's after the car crashes in uh things do crawl very slowly during that whole sequence um which again is like not necessarily a bad thing to me i just yeah it is what it is yeah so this just reminded me of something because i need to bring it up it's it's not really about the movie but it's just about fans online because whenever I see someone who, whenever someone comments that they didn't like the movie, 
the weak-minded response is, oh, well, you just like Marvel movies. You need the humor all the time. Right. To which, you know, if there's anyone like, I gotta say, number one, have you ever listened to this show before? Like, um, <laughs> yeah, we don't listen. <laughs> like, don't like how Marvel. Star Wars fans hate Star Wars. I am a Marvel fan who hates the MCU. And number yeah. two, like, you know, I think Spider-Man No Way Home is a better movie than this. But, you know, my favorite superhero franchise is right now in terms of live action. You know, I bet you know what it is. You know, like, it's bar none. Like, movie, you said? Franchise. Live action franchise. Ongoing? Yeah, right now. Currently being made right now. It's Superman Lois. Oh, I, I thought you okay. I, I I thought you meant movie. Okay. Yeah, I, meant, I was going to encompass an overall franchise. Got like, it. Okay. I like Spider Man. No, I love Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. But Superman Lois is on a different level to everything else being made right now. Like, oh, mm-hmm. by the way, I gotta mention this one thing. I've been on Superman and Lois. There, because this show has made me realize. Like, I never thought I'd say this about other actors besides Christopher Reeve and Tom Welling, but you know, Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tobuck, they are now tied with them as my favorite Superman Lois actors. There's this great scene. And it kind of goes back to like our no way home special where you talked about that scene where Toby had to stop Tom from killing goblin. And all he could do was like a facial expression. Yeah. There's like this great moment. Cause in the show, like one of the main antagonists is there's a leader of a cult who has like a gem thing where she can travel to an alternate universe or whatever. But like she's getting people into a cult. And one of the people she gets is Lois's sister, Lucy. And they try to get to the alternate dimension. There's a portal opens and a bunch of the cult's followers die except for the cult leader. And there's a moment where they find out that Lucy was going to go with the cult and everyone thinks Lucy might be dead. And there's this scene where Lois is in her sister's apartment rummaging through everything. And Superman is there. And like Lois is panicking. Like she can't have gone. Like she would have left a message behind. And you just like, like anytime Elizabeth Tullock as Lois Lane is just like, um, upset or something you feel bad for you like god this feels real like Mm -hmm. is this acting this is this is real and like tyler as superman like he only has like a few like lines and he and like what he says lois and like he can only just be there to comfort her but you know like from his expression like he doesn't think lucy survived and to me that was just like it's such a standout scene in the show Mm mm-hmm yeah, but let's talk about Batman now. We're not talking <laughs> about Metropolis. Well, I, it takes place in Smallville, but... Yeah. All right, so... That is our Spider-Man one. Let me get this. Okay. All right, so for me, the movie is very overstuffed. With multiple competing plot lines. So we have... Batman versus the Riddler. Batman... And Catwoman versus Falcone. And then in the middle, we have Batman learning about his parents thrown in. And it didn't feel like the movie had a clear focus or even an A, B, C plot. Like, 
how in the office you have the A plot, which focuses yeah. on Michael, and then B plot, which focuses on Jim and Dwight or something, and then C plot, which could focus on like Phyllis or something. It never felt like the movie had a total focus on what it was trying to do. And instead, we had these three different threads where we were constantly like kind of jumping back and forth between them. It never felt like the threads were very well told. Like the Riddler story, just, yeah. And then I think maybe the Catwoman, well, maybe the one with Bruce's parents was probably the best told one, but then we're, you know, going in with about Catwoman, about her friend and Falcone. And it just felt like it was so overstuffed. It didn't have a clear focus. And I would say it has an overstuffed problem like Iron Man 2 and Avengers Age of Ultron had. It had too many plot lines, too much tried to be crammed into that three-hour runtime. And because there was so much crammed in, none of the main plot lines really worked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To to me, uh, like with I think with movies like Iron Man 2 and, and stuff, like I think that that really doesn't mesh well with the genre to me this just the way all of this information was just being revealed one after the other in sort of a non-linear way to me just felt more like the nature of a mystery and revealing information gradually i it never struck me as separate plot lines or separate information it all felt like more and more information was being added to my arsenal of information helping me try and figure out what's going on um uh there's one thing i could definitely add to maybe i'll use this as uh, the launching point of one of the things i wasn't sure about which is that um there was part of me like that felt like there's maybe a little bit of anticlimacticness to the end, which is that uh, um, where I kind of felt like a lot of this information was being revealed. And, um, you know, it, the ending, Batman really just kind of patched a leak on one small problem, <laughs> which was saving those people from that arena. Yeah. And I was like, okay, th so that was supposed to be the climax. Okay, well good time but uh that wasn't the most exciting part of the movie um and uh i th it could have been a result of just mystery after mystery like uh information being revealed slowly gradually over the whole thing all these plot threads and it added to the intrigue and mystery of it in a very positive way for me where it felt all interconnected and it was all part of gotham as a character and that was really well done, but I just don't know that there was really anywhere to go with it at the end of this movie. Like it, it, it felt like, um, uh, yeah, it felt like there are some incompleted threads. Um, in some ways positive because you know it was kind of it was kind of a good bummer. It was like you know. <laughs> I feel bleak. I feel upset. Ultimately, I would say that in this movie, Batman kind of lost. Uh, there's hopefulness, but he kind of lost. And, How did he lose? Well, uh, he didn't stop the Riddler's last attack. 
Yeah, all, you know, I guess you're right. I guess. No, no I, I really think in this movie, the villain won because the Riddler, his whole goal was to do that giant terrorist attack at the end, which he did, and he flooded the town. Batman yeah. just saved that single room of people from drowning. Like, he pulled them out, and then we're on to the next scene. And, like, I think they had to come up with some way to end it that made Batman the like I think that that like I would consider climax scene serves more as like a like showing that Batman as a character is like starting to offer a glimmer of hope to the people of Gotham like he's not just scary like he these people saw that like he's reaching out a hand to help them and that maybe that means there's some hope for bat like that batman feels as well that he can do something but ultimately for this particular case with how like kind of amateur this batman really was um i think he lost because like he the riddler lured him in uh to meet the person he's the biggest fan of which is batman Oh, and yeah. he was he did not stop the massive bombing like he, it happened that was that was him losing like there was nothing there was no bigger thing that was stopped that was the biggest that was the biggest attack of the movie and it wasn't stopped at all yes it felt like you just i'm when i think about it, it felt like the final end of like the Riddler's attack was just kind of thrown in because like okay we need to have some type of action scene at the end oh I feel that way about the saving people that like in some twisted way and they'd never end a superhero movie like this I actually think that there's something compelling about the fact that like of the like the Riddler was caught and it felt like bested and he still got his way because his bigger plot of exploding all these vans succeeded. And he kept Batman away from that by like meeting up with him. Um, so I feel like that's really the, the final big, like in a way that's the climax of the story, the situation, but like they can't end the movie like that with just like the Riddler bombing and flooding the city they need to show a little bit too much sequel bait because i do think Mm -hmm. i know what the sequel is going to be and i think what riddler did is gonna have ramifications in the sequel yeah um and so like it would be too much sequel bait i think they needed some way to end this movie with batman doing something heroic and so the saving people from the floodedness, like it felt like such a small thing in the scheme. Like the whole city's flooded. You're just like picking these people out of the water. Really. Oh, yes. Um, Could have used a bat raft or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was really, that was really it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, there was a feeling of incompleteness, but I, I, thought about it and i understand why it feels that way um yeah that's all on that (laughs) all right so 
So, and I am going to stop you there. Speaking of sequel bait, we're actually going to split this episode into two parts, of course, because, you know, us talking about the movie has to be longer than the movie. The movie that we talked about having things that could have been cut. Well, I don't, I don't think so, but, you know, to each their own. Anyway, tune in to the next episode where we finish talking about The Batman.